0: Welcome to Leaders Lift, episode 12. I'm Greg Cunningham, and I'll be your host and virtual coach for the next 30 minutes or so. Over the last several weeks, I've laid out my version of what a leadership development program would look like. We started out with some foundational elements and went clear through to the point where anyone going through the program would have a solid plan to work on for however long it takes. One of the things that I did not address is just how dynamic these development plans need to be. If you were working with me on your plan, we wouldn't just go through all of those elements, build it into a plan, and then assume you could just follow that to the letter and everything would be just fine. I've never seen that happen. Sure, you might be good for a few days or even weeks, but the one thing I can guarantee is that eventually you'll need to adjust that plan. And while there will likely be many things that go well, there will also likely be things that we didn't anticipate and unfortunately, probably some things that just won't go well. That's all to be expected. So what do we do in those cases? Well, we course correct. That's what I'd like to talk about today. I'll share some stories about course corrections I've had to do in my life, course corrections I should have done, and talk about this concept in more depth. Before we start talking about course corrections, just a quick reminder that if you haven't subscribed or followed the podcast, go ahead and hit that button. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram at LDRSLFT or follow Mount Nebel Consulting on LinkedIn. I'm constantly posting in both of those places. That's where I announce new episodes and where I'm sharing more tips and tricks to help you on your journey. I'm also dipping my toe into the YouTube waters. You can subscribe to my channel by using the link in the show notes or by searching for Leaders Lift on YouTube. So yes, I'm recording this one today in video. We'll just see how it goes. All right, well, let's get started. Now, before I go into story time and use it to lay the foundation of today's topic, I wanna recommend a book for you to read. This is a book that anyone who is a tech geek, is a fan of the iPhone or even uses an iPhone might be interested in reading. It's called Creative Selection by Ken Koshanda. I apologize if I'm not saying that name correctly. I'll put an Amazon affiliate link in the show notes. Now, the reason I'm recommending it is that he actually has a pretty good story about professional course correction he had to make before he started working on the iPhone. It's a great story and talks about several key elements of course correction, including some things you should do and some things that you shouldn't. All right, now let's go into the topic. When I think of course corrections, the process I recommend we go through is as follows. One, recognize, recognize that something is off. Second, identify what is causing me offness. Analyze the situation. Evaluate the situation against your priorities, what you want to get out of life and your plan to get there. And then decide if a course correction is needed. Six, you identify possible new courses of action. Seven, pick the one you feel is right for your situation. Then build a plan or change an existing one. And nine, get to work. And then 10, because this is an episode about course corrections, be ready to tweak and adjust as needed. I have a whole bunch of stories about course correcting from my life. Hopefully, that's not because I've constantly been headed down the wrong path. I don't think that's always been the case. But as we learn and grow and mature, we often find small or even large course corrections that we should make. The story I settled on is from early in my career and family life. I may have shared some of this already. And if it sounds familiar, I apologize for the repetition, but there are some aspects of this story that are very relevant to our discussion today. Also, if any of you find yourself facing a similar decision, please don't assume you can just follow my example the way I did it. I wouldn't necessarily advocate taking this same path. It has to be right for you and your situation. What I'd like to do today is tell the story. It's kind of long as it spans several years. Not all course corrections take that long, but sometimes some of them do. And then point out how I handled the steps I just mentioned. And then after that, I'll step out of story mode and cover some of the things related to course corrections. So for background, I didn't have to work very hard in high school to get solid A's. I'm Not trying to brag, it's just kind of the way it was. I'm sure I worked harder in the various extracurricular activities, and I believe it would have actually taken more effort for me to get bad grades. Coming out of high school, I had high expectations of myself. My family expected great things, and so did most of the teachers I had. For context, I went to a pretty small high school. We had the first class to graduate 100 students, and we hit 100 exactly. So I knew pretty much everyone in the town, and they knew me. And One of my teachers told me shortly before graduation that he expected to see a doctor title before I was done. And that was actually my plan. I wanted to go to medical school. In my first year at college, things went well. I did realize that I was not nearly as disciplined when it came to studying as I needed to be. I just hadn't learned that in high school. hadn't learned that in high school, but I made it through. I then took a two-year break to serve a church mission in Brazil. There, I got a whole other type of education, and I really grew during that time. And I'm probably going to cover some of that at a different point. Now when I came home from Brazil, I got married before I went back to school, and we started our family shortly thereafter. We were on the same page about starting our family, medical school, and everything we had going on. We knew it was going to be a challenge, but we felt we were up to it. My struggles got to be 10 times worse that first year back to school. The first sign of real trouble was when I struggled to get through organic chemistry. I had never struggled at anything when it came to school but I had been told that it was the one course that weeds out those that are really committed to med school and those that aren't. Maybe that should have been, made me pause and evaluate the situation. I didn't, I kept trying to make it work the rest of that school year, but I continued to struggle. After that year, I realized that if this kept up, I wouldn't make it through two more years of undergraduate, four years of med school, and then everything else I would have to do before I could actually start practicing medicine. My scholarship was in jeopardy which would have just made this whole situation worse. I just didn't see a way that I could successfully keep going down that path. So there's step one. I recognized that something was off. I did, I, there just was something wrong. And then step two, I identified that what I was trying to do in school was the source of the offness. Looking back on the situation, I did what probably a lot of folks do, I pretty much skipped steps three through eight, all of the planning and that kind of stuff, and went right into step nine. I'm sure I thought it was the right thing to do at the time. It was kind of the right thing, but not completely. If I had gone through those other steps, I might've saved myself another year of misery and student, be- student debt. Well, let's continue with the story. So what did I do? I decided to change my major to something easier. There was still this pressure that I had to have a college degree to make it in life. I've talked about that in another episode. So I tried to pick something that I thought I could handle. I don't even remember what I changed it to, and, but it didn't help at all. Things actually got worse, if you can imagine that. Changing my major away from medicine and into something like business or political science probably was something like that, was not a good change because I just didn't care. I felt like I had already failed not going to med school, and I hadn't identified the root cause of why I was struggling. So here's the lesson. Don't skip all of those steps that I covered earlier. Don't move straight from I know what the problem is right to executing on an action plan. You've got to do all of those other steps in between. Somewhere in the middle of all of this, I received a pretty significant leadership assignment at church. It was taking many hours each week. So let's recap. I was a full-time student. Was working 40 hours a week, had this large church leadership assignment. We were managing apartments just so we could afford rent, and then we had our ex- expanded our family into the multiple kids range. I was certainly struggling everywhere, and school is where I struggled the most. I'd go to the library to try and study, because it's hard to do in a two bedroom apartment with kids running around, and either fall asleep or get distracted. I had no desire to go to classes, and for sure, I wasn't learning much. Now, it seems pretty obvious that something had to change, and that my first attempt at change, changing my degree, failed. At this point, we actually decided to do step three. It would have been nice if I had had a manual back then listing out steps one through ten for me, but I didn't. And it's possible that I wouldn't have appreciated them even if I did. Sometimes it's only through your own experience that we learn these skills, and then we refine them as we apply them in our lives and teach them to others step three, or analyzing the situation, was actually pretty easy. We had too much on our plates. I didn't currently have the skills or drive to be successful in school, debate whether that was a good thing or not, and something had to change. That was our analysis of the situation. Now step four was taking our current situation and evaluating it against what we wanted out of life. We had a lot of goals and being a doctor was just one of them. We also had the goals to not have my wife working outside the home while we raised our family. We considered our commitment to God and our church assignments as what I'd call immovable. And we believe then and still do today that He asks if he asks us to do something, he will provide a way for it to happen. So our priorities lined out like this. Number one, God. Number two, family. That meant me having time to be a husband and father. Three, providing for the family. Four, church service. Five, schooling. We found that over the course of our lives, those have been our main priorities. Sometimes two to four shuffled around a bit, depending on the time and the situation, but that was our goal. And of course, five with schooling is only dependent on when you're actually in school. But number three was the biggest concern for us. I was working as a security guard. That's the kind of job you get as a student back then. So I didn't make much more than minimum wage, and I was putting in 40 hours between Friday and Monday. Now, that made church service more difficult to complete and gave me less time with the family considering school and church stuff that happened during the week. We were managing our apartment building to get a discount on rent, and my wife did daycare out of that two-bedroom apartment that we were in. Even with that, and most young families went through something similar at the time, we were barely getting by. We knew at that point that what we were currently doing did not align with what we wanted out of life. We also realized that I had made a mistake, and just assuming if I changed my major, that would solve the problem. So the answer to step five was obvious. Yes, a course correction was needed. So we moved on to step six, options for course correcting. Now, assuming that our top two priorities couldn't change, God and family, here are some of the options we had. For providing for the family, I could try to find a better job. My wife could try and find a job. I could get a second job. She could get a second job. For church service, I could ask to be excused from that assignment and free up some time. For school, I could try and find something else that would be more interesting and work on my study skills and drive to be successful. Those were all options that we had available to us. What aligned most with what we wanted to get out of life, and this is where you have to do your evaluation, don't just follow my path, but what aligned most with what we wanted to get out of life was for me to find a better job one that would pay better and would allow me to have time for family and for church service. Now notice that I don't mention school in there at all. For all of this to happen, school would have to be set aside, either completely or at least partially or temporarily. Step eight is to build a new plan, throw out the, or throw out the old plan, build a new one, or tweak an existing plan. We decided to throw out our existing plan completely and build a new one. And it was something like this. First steps, I would look for a job that paid better, had potential career opportunities, and had hours that were more conducive to our goals. School would be put on hold. That would take off some of the time pressure as well as alleviate some of the financial concerns that we had. And then three, we would find a way to tell our families. And this was probably the hardest step, especially telling my mom that I was done with school. Now, other steps that didn't kind of happen in that sequence, but that were part of our plan, or that we wanted to let our family settle. We knew that was important to us. We wanted to find ways for my wife to reduce her, quote-unquote, work time, so she had more family time too. And this would only be possible if I was able to better provide on my own so we could stop managing apartments. Managing low-income apartments is not an ideal environment for young families. And she could reduce the amount of daycare that she was doing. And then we would keep serving as best we could in the church. From uh, just things to keep in the back of our mind as part of this plan, we to look for career opportunities that did not require a degree, and then to be open to the need to go back to school at some point when the timing was right. Now, so that was our plan. And for us, we always pray about these kinds of major things. So once we had prayed about it and felt that we were headed down a much better path, we got to work. I actually went back to a job that i had had right when we got married. It was at the call center for a large regional bank. I've talked about that quite a bit. It paid better, was a better environment, had better hours, and because it was a fast growing organization, it opened up so many career opportunities. Eventually we moved out of the apartments into something we didn't need to manage. My wife reduced her daycare to a more manageable amount and we kept serving at church. Now, years later, our situation did allow me to go back to school and get my degree. Throughout all of this time, we kept an eye out for other signs of a need to course correct, and we were much quicker to do so. And sometimes that was just to improve the situations, other times it was to take advantage of an opportunity to learn and grow, like when we decided to move from Utah to Texas. I know that that was a pretty long story, but I believe it's a good example of how we can let outside pressures and situations get to the point where we have to course correct. It's also a good example of how, when we decided to actually be deliberate about our course correction, things turned out much differently than when we just let the wind blow us wherever or just jumped into a solution. Now, looking back, I wish I had done the evaluation much earlier. At the same time, the lessons I've learned from this experience and the resulting paths that we have taken in life have gotten me to where I am today. I'm not always great at course correcting, but I've gotten much better about going through this process before things get so bad. Hopefully this helps you develop your own version of a process to follow when things don't seem to be aligned and a course correction is needed. And you can learn from my experience. So let me just recap here. Here are the 10 steps. Step one, recognition, recognize that something is off. Step two, identify what's causing things to be off. Three, analyze your situation. Four evaluate the situation against your priorities, what you want to get out of life and your plan to get there. Five, decide if a course correction is needed. Six, identify possible new courses of action. Seven, pick the one you feel is right for your situation. Eight, build a plan or change an existing one. Nine, get to work executing on that plan. And then 10, always be ready to tweak and adjust as needed. So that's it. And I think it's time to take just a short break. If you're enjoying this episode or have enjoyed any of them so far, you can help promote the show by sharing it with others. Most podcast players have an icon that's got a square with an arrow pointing out of it for sharing. Now, I also have a survey up on my website for feedback, and as I mentioned, I'm dipping my toe into the YouTube space. For now, I'm just sharing some shorter clips from various episodes, and maybe if this one goes well, I'll drop this one as a full video in there, but we'll see how that goes. Like everything, I'll work to refine the content there on YouTube as well as here in the podcast, and maybe I'll get into some more consistent longer-form video with slides and all of that kind of fun stuff. For links to all of these resources and for other ways you can support the show, check out the show notes. In most podcast players, they're part of the interface, and you can click on the links and go directly to the sites that I've mentioned. Okay, now back to our regularly scheduled program. That story I just told has had a tremendous impact on my life. Not in just learning how to deal with course corrections, but it set me on the trajectory to get where I am today. We never know how things might have turned out if we made different decisions, so I'm not going to dwell on that. It doesn't do any good to dwell on the past anyway. We just need to learn from it. What I'd like to do now is talk through the concept of course correction and some of the lessons that I've learned. Now, in my story, it seems very obvious that something needed to change. I know that we're in the middle of challenging situations like this, sometimes we don't see the need to make a course correction, it's hard to see it. Sometimes we need an outside party or some external stimulus to help us take a step back and realize what's going on. Now this can be even more difficult when it's not some major course correction or when the impact of something isn't obvious, the smaller things. I remember a doctor once talking to me about my high cholesterol. He shared with me that there really aren't any outward signs of high cholesterol. You need a blood test to diagnose and then figure out the right treatment. Now, similarly, there are probably hundreds of situations where we may not even notice something is off. We need to learn to look for the small, subtle signs that there's something going on. Not all of these things may be as impactful as high cholesterol, but if we have too many of these little things, they can really add up. My early career mentor used the phrase, it's like being nibbled to death by ducks. Small, unimportant, minimal impact situations might be completely manageable or even ignorable by themselves. But when they all are added together, they can become a big deal. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're adding these things together, piling them on top of each other. Now, not to use another old metaphor, but it's like putting a frog in a pot of water and then heating it up. Eventually the frog dies and it doesn't even it didn't even know it was in danger. So what are the some of the signs to look for? Now, you probably have some that are very personal to you. I know I do. And I'll share some generic ones and maybe a couple of personal ones as well. Hopefully this will help you start identifying your own list. That's what you need is your list. Now, I do wanna make it clear that signs, the signs and symptoms I'm gonna talk about need to be taken in context. What I mean by that is that if any of these are having a significant impact on your life and making it hard for you to function, get out of bed, do what you need to do, please get the help and support that you need. This podcast is not meant to take the place of those kinds of resources in your life. If you find yourself in that kind of a position, please get the right level of help that you really need. Probably the topic of the day that is a sign of the need for a course correction is burnout. I can hardly go a day without seeing one or more articles or publications talking about burnout and its signs, causes, how to mitigate, etc. This morning when I woke up, the day I wrote this episode, I felt pretty drained when I thought about sitting down at my desk and getting to work. I read that as a sign that something is off. Maybe not anything major, and I might only need to take a break to course correct, but it is a potential sign. So think about this, Sunday afternoons, do you start dreading the return to work the next morning? When you get up, do you have to fight off the excuses and quote unquote, force yourself to get moving? Do you find yourself just slugging through your task list like wading through thick mud? Do you find yourself working more hours and making less progress? If anything like this applies to you, then you may be headed down the burnout path and you may need to dial it back, see previous episode, a little or even a lot. Or maybe you need a larger course correction. Sometimes if we can figure out a good way to dial things back, we can recharge the batteries and then move beyond the burnout. And for more on dialing it back, go back and listen to episode 10. If you try to dial it back and it's still a problem, then maybe it's time to start working through the course correction steps. Maybe it's not burnout. Maybe you're missing deadlines or milestones, or maybe the quality of your work has either plateaued Maybe even taking a step backwards. Maybe the work you're doing no longer holds your interest. Has a project gone sideways? This is one where you need to see if you need a course correction, or maybe just the project needs a course correction. It could also be that your team is struggling or not making the kind of progress you expected. And sometimes we just get into a rut and we go into cruise control. That can be another sign. Have you stopped growing? Do you feel like you're just coasting through life? This one might be hard to recognize as an issue. When we get comfortable in situations, sometimes it's hard to tell if you're just going through the motions or coasting. I'm not saying that coasting is always bad. Sometimes we do just need to slow down. But if you realize that you've been coasting for a long time, that might be a sign that a change is needed. Now, just a bit of clarification here. If we're going through a period of stress or a rough time, then coasting may not be a bad thing. In a talk by Dieter F. Ukdorf, he talked about how trees slow down their growth and how when a plane encounters turbulence, most often the right thing to do is slow down to an optimal speed. Most people would think you need to speed up and get through it as soon as possible. But scientists can look at the rings of a tree and know when they faced a lack of water or other resources to help with growth. And similarly, similarly for us, if we're in a time of stress, we should probably slow down our growth and focus on the things that matter most, and maybe even do something to recharge. Now, I wanna wrap up this section and talk about one other sign that something is off and you probably need to find a way to course correct, or at very least find a way to dial it back and recharge. What I want you to watch for are the times when your default behaviors that can be potential pitfalls seem to get more extreme. And let me give you an example. My introvert personality style has gotten less severe over time one of the signs that I need to dial it back or that a course correction may be needed is when I start to retreat away from others more so than usual. If things get really out of whack, I get to the point where I don't want to be around anyone, even my own family. The drive to be isolated gets to be very extreme. And that's when my head starts making plans to take the camp trailer somewhere for a week and not take anyone, even my family, with me. And shortly after I start thinking this way, I go into silent mode. It's not that I'm mad at anyone, I just don't want to talk to anyone. And there are a lot of folks in my house at this point, so it's hard to avoid them all. I've learned over time to see this as a sign. In most cases, I can use some of my techniques to recharge my batteries and come out of this pretty quickly. Then there are other times where even my recharge or dialing it back techniques don't help me get back to a normal state then I know that something bigger is going on and I need to evaluate my course and determine if a correction is necessary. Now this kind of a thing can happen with any of your default behaviors that you've been working on, any of those that might be potential pitfalls. If you have figured out how to mitigate some of your potential pitfalls and they come back, then you need to take notice and figure out what you need to do about it. And this leads into our final subtopic for today, and that's how to make effective course corrections. So if I keep using the examples of my levels of introvert, you can see how initially it makes sense to try and recharge or dial it back. I just need some alone time. That's how I recharge my batteries. Then if that doesn't work, you need to take bigger steps. Sometimes that's a small course correction. Sometimes it's a big one. You may also need to get some outside, even professional help if necessary. I'm going to focus on the types of course corrections where you don't need professional help because, again, this podcast is not a substitute for getting professional help if needed. First of all, course corrections, big and small, I wouldn't say they're ever really easy. Almost always it requires you to admit that you are wrong, even if it's only to yourself. That's not very fun. But then as I showed in the 10 steps about how to determine and make course corrections, it always requires some mental effort planning, and then determination to follow through. If the course correction involves others, it's going to require collaboration, trust, communication, and all of the things that go along with building and maintaining relationships, and we've talked about those. If you have already impacted others, or if your new course of action will impact others, this is a great opportunity to work on demonstrating some of the attributes of true leaders. Things like humility, transparency, a willingness to apologize, and build or restore trust. Now, as you're evaluating the need for a course correction, you may also want to think about where the course correction is needed. By that, I mean, does the situation need a course correction or do you personally need a correction? Let's say you're leading a very detailed project. It's requiring you to use all of your influence management techniques to be extremely detail-oriented and has put a ton of pressure on you and the team, most of whom don't report to you. Now, if that project has gotten derailed, deadlines missed, not heading in the right direction, team is dysfunctional, etc., it's probably time to course correct. But where do you start? The real problem could be anything from not having the right skills on the team to your leadership on the project. Maybe you have a key team member that's not pulling their weight, or maybe you have had too many of your potential pitfalls impact the project, and now it's floundering. It could be that the project does not have the right objectives, or it could be that you've realized that the details and logistics around project management are just not for you, and that's what's holding the team back. In this example, we've identified potential changes to the project, changes to the team, and changes you may need to make in your leadership style. We even identified the fact that maybe you've not put yourself in the place of most potential because you're trying to take on a role, the project management stuff, that doesn't match up with your skills, drives, etc. So what do you do? I would recommend that you start by evaluate, evaluating yourself and trying to make personal course corrections or at least evaluate what impact personal course corrections might have on the project. Some of these corrections might be very small but could make a huge difference. Maybe you realize that lately you've been dominating the airtime in the team's project meetings. That's something you can apologize to the team for and then give them opportunities con- to contribute more. Or maybe you identify that if someone could help with the project, those kinds of project management tasks that it would allow you to focus on some of the more strategic items and help the team be more accountable. In that case, maybe someone on the team that's more detail-oriented would want to step into that role. Maybe there are larger course corrections that need to be made. Maybe the one team member that's not pulling their weight needs to be put on notice that if things don't change, they're gonna be replaced on the project. Maybe the team is burning out because of the tremendous amount of pressure. And while it seems counterintuitive, maybe they need to dial it back for a day or so or do something to recharge their collective batteries. This is all part of analyze the possible course corrections and if the course corrections would be positive or negative, that key step in this process. In all of these scenarios, even the small corrections, this is when true leadership becomes so critical. A manager, not a leader, might just sit the team down and tell them they are failing and that they had better get their act together. They might use a lot of fancier and even nicer words, but that's the message. Sometimes you can give a really crappy message using a lot of good words. Or they may take the approach of telling the team that everything will come together and that they just need to keep at it. Those are stories we're telling ourselves. Remember, that's a rose-colored glasses story. Everything will be just fine. It'll work out. Both of these scenarios are garbage and kind of match the definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting different results. A true leader might do something like this. Let's pretend I'm the project leader and I've pulled everyone together for a meeting to discuss our current state. So I'll try and step into this role. Hey team, I wanted to bring everyone together as I really need your help to figure out why the project has gone off track. I'm sure when I said that, everyone immediately started thinking about all the things that are going wrong. Hold on to those thoughts as we're gonna get to them shortly. We know that we're behind schedule and in talking with all of you individually, I think we're all on the same page that it just doesn't feel like we're on the right track and that something needs to change. In thinking about this, I've identified a couple of things that I've been struggling with that I believe have contributed to our current state. First, I've been dominating all of our team meetings. I've not done a good job of including all of you, especially those of you that are less likely to share your opinions. I want to apologize for that. And I'd like to start working on that here in just a minute. Second, I'm struggling to keep up with all of the logistics, like managing the project plan, following up on the to-dos with our team and with others. So I'd like to get your input on ways we could improve there as well. And then third, I'd like us to go back through the original project objectives and determine if they're still relevant and then discuss where we're at on each of them. Stepping out of character. That would be my intro. It's a great speech, maybe. But then after that, I need to be a true leader. I need to put my money where my mouth is. For the rest of this discussion, I would need to use many of the things we've talked about. If we assume that trust hasn't been completely destroyed, hopefully not, then I need to work on giving everyone a voice so that I can draw out those that may agree or are hesitant to share their opinions. I'll probably have opportunities to hand back the marker as we start to figure out what to do to course correct. There may be an opportunity to give someone a development development assignment, tackling the project plan and following up. This is also a good time to revisit the environment working in. Has it become a tense environment where everyone feels like failures are punished so that they have stopped giving their best efforts? How can you reset it so that it's intense where everyone knows best effort is expected and is willing to give that effort? Can you demonstrate optimism that what the team has come up with will get you back on track? And I could go on and on and on. Now, I know this is a bit of a rabbit hole, But I wanted to give an example of what it might take to put in a large course correction or even a series of course corrections around a situation. This kind of an approach could apply to a lot of aspects of your life. Think about working with one of your kids that has decided school is just not for them or that they would just rather hang out in your basement all day instead of going out and doing something with their lives. These are all situations where a course correction is needed, but it's not necessarily within your control, so you have to demonstrate true leadership. Now let's turn over the coin. What if a deeper personal course correction is required? Those are tougher and could take longer to work through. What if you come home from work day after day and are frustrated and frankly unpleasant to be around? Maybe your kids or spouse find a polite, or maybe more straightforward way, to tell you that something needs to change. That's very similar to what I went through in trying to figure out what needed to change in the story I used at the beginning of this episode. I wasn't around for the family much, and when I was, I was not the most pleasant person. I didn't need anybody to tell me that. I was not doing well at anything, and yes, some of the solution was that I needed to make some changes to the situation, but what probably didn't come out in the story were the deeper personal course corrections I had to make. One course correction is that I had to recommit myself to the priorities that my wife and I had agreed on. I also had to give up that dream of becoming a doctor one day and all of the benefits, the prestige, the wealth, all of those kinds of things we talked about, about motives, that I envisioned would come along with it. I also had to be willing to take my medicine from my family, especially my mom, for such a dramatic course correction. Had to evaluate why I didn't have the discipline or drive to do my best at my studies and make sure that that didn't bleed over into the rest of my life. Now, even more recently, I've been working on personal course corrections. One of those is the need to not be so intense about everything. And that's one of the reasons I did the episode on dialing it back. I needed that as much as anyone else. I'm also working on not always being the one to dive in and solve my family's problems. It's not that I don't want to be willing to help or be a support in those situations, but I used to have this huge drive to jump in and solve the problem right then and there, whether the other party wanted me to or not. I've realized just how much that impacts my well-being, but even more so, I've realized how much it can hold others back. Now, the trigger for me on this was when I read about handing back the marker in the book Multipliers. I came to the realization that my default behavior was to rip the marker out of someone's hands, if they wanted it or not, and then show them how the problem should be solved. So I'm very grateful that I came across that in the book. One other quick story. I apologize for there being so many personal stories in this episode. It seems like maybe I haven't quite figured out this quirks correction piece completely, and I probably won't for a while. Several years ago, I realized that I was burning out. I was running the company's IT support group. That included teams in the US, India, and the Philippines. While I didn't travel overseas a ton, the times I did travel was really wearing on me. It also felt like I was on call 24 by seven. I loved helping execs and being the hero who doesn't like that when one of them called from an airport with a tech issue that just had to be solved right then. But I was not doing a good job of stepping away and recharging as needed. Add that to the normal problems that come from implementing new systems, processes, managing an outsourcer, I was just flat out tired. I also realized that I was feeling trapped and not growing anymore. So all of the signs were there that I needed to make a course correction in soon. Cutting to the end of the story, I ended up going to our VP and requesting a move into a more strategic role. He was actually very understanding of what I wanted to do, and we agreed on a move. It was the right thing for me to do at the time. I started to find a better balance with things outside of work. I was able to do things even during the day to recharge my batteries, like going for a walk at lunch. I saw one of my direct reports promoted to handle my old duties, which is always extremely satisfying. And I started to learn and grow again. That actually led me to learning about digital transformation in the mortgage space. And I've been doing that to some extent for the last 10 years or so. So it was a good move and I'm very grateful for that course correction. That move also reinforced kind of the last thought I'll leave you with. And it ties into the need to sometimes slow down or dialing it back. This is actually the second time in my career that I moved backwards in order to move forward again. Now, what do I mean by that? The first time was when I went from being a VP at a bank to a senior manager at a title company. Even the director that hired me questioned why I would want to move from the bank where I had the title and a much larger scope into the position that he had open. In the example I just mentioned, I moved out of a director role with a very large scope all the way back to an individual contributor role. In both of these circumstances, the path that I chose was a deliberate course of action on my part. The first time, it was true that I'd be giving up the VP title. It's also interesting that most of my peers, and even some of my direct reports from that job, are still at the bank and are now senior vice presidents. So it's likely I would have been on the same path. But that path was not right for me. What I needed at the time was a new challenge. The job would give me an opportunity to build an organization from scratch, and that's not something I would have ever been able to do at the bank. In moving from the director to the individual contributor role, I honestly didn't know it where it would lead me from a career standpoint, but I knew I needed a course correction to put my life more in balance. So I course corrected and started moving down the new path with my mind open to new possibilities. And that definitely helped me where I get, get to where I am today. So if you find yourself in a position where you've already tried dialing it back to no success and are now on step seven, choosing the course correction that is right for you, And it goes against what everyone around you might be saying. For me, it was you have to get a college degree now. Or even if you take a step backwards in your career, you'll never recover. Don't be afraid to do what you believe is right. If you always do things the way everyone else does them, you'll get the same results or end up just like them. So maybe it's time for you to step onto that path that is uniquely yours. Or at least take the first step. The great thing about most of the paths in our lives is that there are plenty of opportunities to course correct. We rarely back ourselves into such a corner that we can never get out of it. So build up the courage to take that first step and then just keep looking for the times when you need to make additional course correction. If you get good at doing this, you have a much better chance of having the kind of journey that helps you get the most out of life and live up to your fullest potential. Well, that's it for today. I don't know about you listening to this, but I'm actually pretty worn out, writing it and then recording it both times. I found myself reliving some of these memories and parts of my life and then looking at my current situation. I think there are some course corrections that I may need to make. Some of them are small and maybe some bigger ones in there. Some are personal like those I mentioned earlier. Others are about demonstrating leadership to help situations and relationships improve. So I need to figure out which are most important build my plan, and get to work. If during this episode, you've identified even one small course correction that you want to work on, then it's all worth it. I hope you'll have the courage to do what needs to be done to get the most out of your life. Now, thank you again for tuning in. All of the relevant resources can be found in the show notes. Keep an eye on Instagram, LinkedIn, and now YouTube as I'm trying to post tips and recaps on those channels on a regular basis. Don't forget to check out my website and see what other resources I have that can help you on your journey to get the most out of life and help others do the same. That's it for now. Go out there and find someone to lift.